0: Hello and welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host of this podcast. I am also the founder of NC Real Estate, which is the place for landlords and property investors to come and build mixed use and commercial property portfolios that completely align with their goals. If you haven't signed up, yet for the members club you are missing out because on the 2nd of july we are doing a fabulous live event in birmingham i am so excited for it we have got so much going on we have surveying skills we have a deal analysis masterclass. we have networking we have food we have goal setting for the final uh six months of this year can you even believe it we're halfway through the year i can't i really can't so if you have been thinking about joining the members club but you haven't yet you're going to need to you're going to need to join the members club i'll put the link below come and join us so that you can come and see us on the 2nd of july plus get all of the other perks that go with it our deal analysis masterclass. our residential and commercial q a's let's make money from property calls, all of our online materials, our community whereby my surveyors are in there and they support you on a daily basis. So it's the place that you wanna be if you're building that commercial and mixed use property portfolio. Now's the time to join. There are so many exciting things going on. I'll put the link below, make sure you sign up. Okay, today, by popular demand, from people that I've been speaking to recently, I'm doing a podcast called horror stories in commercial property. (gasps) Why? Because I think we need to talk about uh, the things that happen in commercial property and why that's important. Because the things that happen in commercial property are unlike what happens in residential property. And trust me, over the last however many years of being a surveyor, I started in 2009, we're in 2022, so what, 13 years of being a surveyor? I have seen an awful lot. Some things I can't talk about for uh, confidentiality purposes, other things I can, I just can't give you the exact details of the building, uh, mainly because chances are the tenants who are involved in this don't want to be outed, mainly because most of the tenants are good tenants, really. Um, Just often common sense doesn't prevail because they're not property people. They're not property people. All they're trying to do is occupy a property and run their business from it. So rather than thinking about maintaining the value of the property, they are thinking about maintaining the value of their business. It is a completely different mindset. Okay, so just think about that from the start. Then what I want to say is that everything that I talk about is completely resolvable, okay? Everything that I speak about, completely resolvable. It's just painful, absolutely painful. So, I mean, there's been some things which have been awful. We had a tenant who occupied a top floor premises in a property portfolio run by the NHS and the whole point of this building was to pay for the uh, heart and lung hospital, and give it an extra boost because shockingly taxpayer money does not pay for everything that happens in the NHS. They also have these property portfolios that they run alongside and the, um, the rental income from the property portfolio goes into the hospital. It's their way of topping it up because if you haven't noticed the NHS is severely underfunded so they have to do their own thing as well and um, one of the tenants who was an absolute pain in the backside um, just decided to stop paying their rent they did have the money we did all the account checks um, but because they didn't want to pay the rent for this unit anymore they bankrupted the company put it into administration um, and disappeared and then lo and behold, six months later, tenant opened up again with a different business in a different building. Yes. So that sort of thing happens not all the time. That was, that was kind of a one-off situation, um, but that was pretty heartbreaking because actually she knew that her, her rent was going towards a charity that was paying for a hospital and she just didn't care. She really didn't care, didn't care to pay her rent anymore and just stopped. And that was frustrating, even though she could afford it, um, but it just changed her mind on where her business was going. And because uh, we didn't let her out of her lease easily, we said that she could assign it, um, but that we weren't just gonna end the lease with three years left to run and just say, okay, fine, walk away. Um, she threw her toys out the pram and bankrupted her business. Or went into administ- put the business into administration and wound it up. Sorry, that's what she did. Um, luckily, we had a deposit there, but it wasn't the full amount of rent. So let me talk to you about some other things that um, have happened and things that I've seen, which are just I don't know. It's funny at the time, ta- funny afterwards, not funny at the time. <laughs> so first one: uh, high-end chocolatier with no contents insurance. Now. If any of you are my students or have been my students um, in the past, you will probably notice that this used to be an assignment question of mine, this case study, because it's something that could happen at any point and you have to be able to deal with it. So what had happened was uh, this was a commercial on the ground floor and three residential flats on the upper floors. And one morning, I get a very angry phone call from the owner of this chocolate shop saying, Natasha, my ceiling has come down. (laughs) So I went out to the property, which was only around the corner at the time. And it turned out that the uh, lady who lived in the residential flat above had run her bath, then had gone out and forgotten that she'd run her bath. This bath had overflown and the floor had come through. Now, the lady had gone out overnight, left her bath running and gone out overnight. I mean, come on. So then the ceiling had come down on this chocolate shop and everything was destroyed. Quite rightly, the commercial tenant was livid, absolutely livid, but Obviously, it was not my fault because I was not up there running the bath. So when tenants do get angry, you have to remember that it's not your fault, Um, but they're going to be annoyed because all of the stock was damaged. So the tenant wanted all of his stock repaid. He wanted the ceiling back up. He wanted compensation for X, Y, Z. Here's what actually happened and how I actually sorted it out. First things first, whenever something crazy like that happens everybody's safety is the most important so we had to make sure that we got the building safe so i had a contractor um, come out and prop up the ceiling and then we had to make sure that the tenant upstairs was okay but she was still out um, and that there was no tenants in the commercial unit on the ground floor From then, it was about taking pictures of everything, noting it down, and letting the insurers know. You have to do that ASAP within 24 hours. I would say the sooner the better that you get the phone call, file notes, make sure that you let the insurers know. The insurers in this situation wanted to come out and inspect, and I said that they could, but they'd have to arrive within 24 hours because we were in a situation where a tenant couldn't trade. and the tenant obviously was angry because he can open up his shop. He couldn't use any of his, uh, he had no nothing to sell. And I said, okay, just, you know, it's happened. I know you're angry, but I can't magic miracles. Unfortunately, if I could wave my magic wand, I would absolutely love to, but I can't. So told the tenant, just go home for today. Let me sort this out. So we made the building safe. The insurer, thank God, came out within 24 hours. um, The loss adjuster and took pictures. I then had to get three quotes for works, which I did within the space of a day. Three quotes for works to put the ceiling back up, to clean out the shop and put it back into um, a condition where the tenant could trade. That is as far as our buildings insurance would allow us to go. Um, Then my job was to put the building insurance in, in contact with the tenant's contents insurance so that um, they could discuss between them how they were going to pay out for the loss of damage for, oh sorry, the, the loss of value for the tenant's stock and all of their contents. Um, the other thing was that this building insurance had loss of rent cover so uh, the tenants could stop paying rent because they weren't in the building and the insurance would take over and pay the rent for as long as it took us to get that shop back in order. So that was pretty good. Got that sorted within 24 hours. Um, I got three contractors out and we got a quote and the quote was to put the ceiling back together to bring in dehumidifiers just to suck all of that dust out of the air. And then I got three quotes for cleaning to clean up the whole of the property, submitted it to the insurers. This is the first time I think an insurer acted really quickly. Um, this doesn't always happen like this. In fact, my experience is that insurers are notoriously slow. Um, but this in this, in this experience, it happened really quickly. The only problem was the tenant didn't have contents insurance. So, tenant did not get reimbursed for any of the loss to uh, the chocolates and their stock and any damage to their contents inside. And obviously the tenant was livid. Now this tenant's lease said specifically that that tenant had to take out contents insurance, but the tenant thinking that they'd be cheap had um, not done it. The learning curve from this is with your commercial tenants, regardless of whether it is in their lease or not, make sure that you write to them and ask them if they've got contents insurance for just in case. It is far better that they have contents insurance and they pay for that than be in a situation where they've lost thousands of pounds worth of stock, right? Because that chocolatier had to go and make all of that stock back again. And he was an expensive chocolatier, a really expensive chocolatier. So That's really important. And then as a landlord, you've just got to make sure that you've got appropriate insurance in place, that it will cover you uh, for things like ceiling collapses and for the fact that um, if a tenant moves out, you'll cover loss of rent and you even want alternative accommodation cover. Now, my job was commercial asset manager. I wasn't in charge of the residential. Um, My colleague was handling the residential tenant, but the residential tenant was put in a hotel for the period of us patching up that ceiling and putting t- putting that all back together um, and then we put new carpets in the residential unit well actually i didn't arrange for that my residential colleague did i was in charge of the commercial stuff um we turned that around within a week so by the following monday the tenant could trade again but you have to act quickly You have to make sure that you're getting contractors in there. And I was lucky enough at the time that all my contractors had some availability where they could put that back together. Next horror story, the tenant who turned a sewer into a water feature. Yeah. This is, if this this ever happens again, my gosh, I'd be shocked. If this has happened to anybody else, please email me and let me know um, I got a call from a tenant to say that the drains were overflowing in the basement of a unit. So I went to inspect, because again I was only around the corner, so the art gallery owner who had the lease had decided, this is not a joke, to open up the floor, the basement floor, um, and the drain pipe that run down one side of a building, uh, and then drained underneath the building, so there was a pipe that ran underneath the building and then out into the sewers the other side they had redirected that so that that pipe flowed through the basement god forbid i just can't understand why you'd want open sewage coming through your basement but anyway that was number one what they did and then they had imported sand from turkey to give the basement a beach effect with water running through Why the bloody hell would you do that? Too much money, I think. So if you ever turn up in a basement where the tenant has really thought that it's a good idea to make the sewage water into like a river that flows through the middle of the basement with imported sand in there, I mean, hit me up, tell me that you've also seen that because this was a joke. I, I honestly, I looked at it and I thought, bloody hell have you managed to do this over a weekend and no wonder the drains are blocked no wonder because your sand is flowing into them you absolute morons okay so in this situation uh, number one once you've stopped thinking are people so strange you know and questioning yourself on what people do. Um, the next thing that you can, you, I did was had to spend a good couple of hours explaining to this art gallery owner that the problem was the sand and the open sewer. Right? Trains wouldn't be blocked if they hadn't bothered doing that. Um, I mean, the, the owner of the art gallery was very proud of himself. Great, well done, you but this is gross. So I said, if they didn't remove this and put it back within three days, number one, I'd be onto environmental health. And number two would be serving a um, a schedule of dilapidation. So I'd get the building surveyor out and we'd be charging them a huge amount of money. now the tenant didn't want that and they definitely didn't want environmental health on their reputation. So luckily, because this tenant had super deep pockets um, by the next weekend they had removed it and they had redirected the water back in the direction that it should be going and lo and behold they didn't have any drainage problems um i mean the poor cleaners that had to remove all that sand is all i will say um yeah I don't really know what else you do. In those situations, it's more playing the people that do it at their own game. They had caused the problem, but they were expecting me to come up with some magical solution that meant that their sand wouldn't run into the open sewer. Not happening. Couldn't believe they had done it in the first place. Thank God it had gone. Next up, a jeweler who'd boxed in a leak rather than making a phone call. This is an interesting one because this is probably something that you will experience because tenants again are just trying to make the most out of their trading space. So this is another drainage problem, but this time from um, the pavement drainage. So it's coming through the pavement ceiling lights. uh, Is that what you call them? Oh my gosh. I can't think of the name. Um, so when you have a basement and there's a pavement, the pavement runs above it and you've got the kind of, uh, glass tiles that you can kind of see down, they're opaque. Um, so that area of the, that area of the um, pavement was leaking into the basement below. So, To start off with, I'm going to congratulate this tenant because they had been given the basement on a rent of peanuts. So the ground floor was trading and it was a very expensive trading area, but the basement really wasn't fit to trade in at the point that they were given it. So they were probably paying a over 20, so a 20th of what they were paying on the ground floor. Yeah, absolute peanuts. And so what this tenant had done is they decided that they were gonna use the ground, the basement as trading space. So they had made, a. they hadn't done tanking, but what they'd done is they'd used MDF to create walls that they could then hang their jewelry on. So the look of it was really good. It looked great, but obviously they hadn't prevented any of the damp or any of the leaks from coming through. And they'd never spoken to us about it either. So what was then happening is the leaks were coming through and they were rotting this MDF and it stunk. It was so disgusting and it was causing damage to their stock. So what did we do? Well, actually for this tenant, I decided to work with the council because really they needed that basement trading. Now I said to them that if they wanted to use it, they were going to have to tank the basement my client wasn't going to do that and my client had let it to them without being tanked so they knew what the situation was at the time but that I would work with the council to try and get the council to come and figure out the pavement to stop the leak from happening now it was Kensington and Chelsea council I was dealing with they did come out they did come out after a lot of uh, begging come out, fix this so that these tenants can continue trading, otherwise um, I don't know, I was trying to tell them something about their tax, basically I was just on the phone every day calling them up, please come and sort this out, please make the pavement better because the, pe- the although our land adjoined to the seal- to the pavement Oh, am not doing a very good job of explaining Uh, of explaining this right so we had the pavement lights which give light down into the basement that's our land but then the rest of the pavement where passers-by walk that's the council's land and so we needed to fix the problem by getting the council to allow us to seal up the pavement and seal up that Uh, join between the pavement lights and the pavement that's what we had to do so I had to get permission from the council um they were actually in the end accommodating based on us doing the work and them coming out and inspecting anyway we stopped the leak um now I couldn't claim any of the cost of the damage in the basement through the insurance because the tenant had bodged the work, right? Because they'd gone and done it in MDF and they'd not done it properly, the insurance wouldn't pay out. They wouldn't pay out. So I had to go to the tenant and say, hey, you have to put this back in repair yourself. We can't claim it through the building's insurance because you didn't do it right. You never got a schedule of condition from us. Um, or." and you didn't get a license to alter so you could do the work. So you'd not documented it, but we've now sorted it out for you. Um, Please put it back into order and make sure it's done properly. I don't want to be serving you a section 146 notice, which says that you have to put this property into repair. You need to do it yourself. So what I then did (laughs) was to help these tenants find contractors who could do the work and do it properly. Again, it wasn't going to be a full tanking of the basement, but there was going to be some waterproofing done. And then I got in place an agreement between the contractor and the tenant, and the tenant would agree to pay for the work and the contractor would agree to to, um, do it. They signed an agreement and the work got done. That was not an overnight thing, but the benefit here, was that that tenant continued trading. That's important because then that rent kept coming in. So we just kept working on it, kept working on it, kept working on it. Um, and working with the council as well. Thank God they moved quickly. Next up, a yoga studio that smashed all the windows of a brand new building. Okay, so we just finished a development, um, really beautiful new development where we had some, uh, three commercial units on the ground floor. We had then two uh, floors above and a yoga studio took the two floors above. Now, big problem, got the yoga studio in there. They were testing out all of their equipment. They put on the heating for the hot yoga and all of the windows smashed because they couldn't deal with the heat. Yes. Um, So in that situation, the tenant's contents insurance paid out for the windows. And that's because for the most part, tenants are responsible for plate glass. And this tenant luckily, luckily had uh, contents insurance, which included plate glass insurance and their contents insurance paid out. But what we then had to do was make sure that we were ordering um, improved glass, which was toughened so it could withstand the heat. Now. The learning experience here is that if you are going to have a hot yoga studio, come into your building, make sure that all windows can handle it and make sure that the tenant knows that not all windows can handle the heat. So they are going to have to test and they are going to have to put in windows themselves. Um, The reason it was a horror story is just because I'd spent so many years doing the development and making these units so nice. And then for a tenant to go in and I'd not even thought about the fact that we could lease it to a hot yoga studio and that uh, happened. So there you go, note to you guys. Final one, which is uh, uh, an ex-brothel that collapsed internally due to a billionaire next door digging out the basement. This was painful. This was probably one of the most painful things that's ever happened because it took six years to rectify. This was in Mayfair. I managed a whole building and we had just managed to to get the brothel that was in there to move out. Okay, so I say brothel, they're gonna say High End Gentlemen's Club. I'm never going to say the building, but it was honestly, so strange inside. The building was huge. It was a six story building and everything was painted in dark red. Everything. All the carpets were dark red. The walls were dark red. um, The staircases were dark red. Everything was dark red. It was weird. And you, when, upstairs and there were three flats but they were all connected to one another it was just weird anyway the tenant had gone it was just a red building um and then we got noticed that the building was starting to move um which wasn't great and we would inspect we had to inspect once a week for insurance purposes because it was vacant we had Uh, security that went round and did that. Personally, I did not like to go into that building on my own. It was weird. Um, So the building started to move and the staircases started to uh, move. The floors started to move. Everything started to be at a bit of an angle. And we thought, well, what's going on? Anyway, next door had just been bought by a very high net worth individual who was now kitting out their property um, with all the luxurious mod cons, they were digging down quite a few floors. And what they wanted was an underground swimming pool and then underground parking as well with a lift so that the cars could come in and out. You know, the sort of stuff that you would like if your money was endless. But with them digging out the basement, um it seemingly was shaking the foundations of our building, which meant that the our building was collapsing into their building, oh my god! Um, so I didn't know who was doing next door. We'd never been served a party wall notice or anything. they had just started works, and next door had all their hoarding up, and on the outside was just um a, a code to get through the hoarding. You couldn't see through the hoarding. Uh, you couldn't see the building anymore. So I had to sit next to the entrance to this hoarding and just wait for people to come in and out so I could ask who was in charge because you couldn't even put a letter underneath the hoarding. Everything was so tight. And because it was owned by someone foreign, when you looked at land registry, you didn't have anybody to write to, which was painful. So... I spent hours waiting for a contractor or someone to come out and um, so I ended up having to go down there really early in the morning uh, for the start of the day and just try and find out who was who was in charge eventually I got the name of a building surveyor then I said to them "We well, haven't got party wall notice so you need to stop the works so we so our solicitor got them to stop the works we negotiated a party wall notice Obviously, that took ages, and we put movement sensors in our building, paid for by next door, and eventually, next door had to pay for our building to be put back into structural repair. It took six years. It was all settled without outside of court, um, and it was painful. Painful. So the long and short of the story here is, number one, always keep an eye on planning permission of who's doing what next door to you. And if they're digging out basements, it's definitely gonna have an impact on your property. Um, to the extent that I hadn't really realised before, because I'd done a lot of work on Walton Street in Knightsbridge as well, and they all dig out their basements and they're absolutely fine. But when I think about it, Bearing in mind, guys, I'm not a building surveyor, I'm a commercial surveyor, my only job is really to, you know, look after the, um, at the time that building was just looking after the management, so um, I probably should have picked up on it, but because of my experience pri- prior had been that I'd only looked after two storey properties in Walton Street where they were digging out and nothing had gone wrong, but again, different foundations, um, this Property taught me a huge amount about building structures, foundations, and what goes on in the structure. Obviously, I was not in the wrong. My job was purely to have management on site We had security going in and out. Um, that was that. And the minute something started happening, they alerted me to it. Um, but yes, if someone starts digging out basement next door Just get in contact with them and make sure that they are securing your foundations because it's an absolute nightmare. Anyway, there was no harm loss. There was no money loss. This was a client who had an unencumbered building. They weren't that bothered about letting it out either because they didn't like the gentleman's club that had been in there previously. Um, I had it written off for business rates because it was uninhabitable and the people who own the building next door paid for all the holding costs and they paid to put it back into structural repair. It is now being let out as a high-end caviar, caviar restaurant. Um, Just took a long time to deal with. But there you have it. Um, Those are some of the biggest stories. I mean, I have endless list of stories. Stories with tenants pooing on each other's carpets, Tenants not wanting to put their hand down a toilet, to pull out a drop light bulb in the cistern. For both those, I was like, tenants, go do it yourself. Um, a tenant not paying rent because their business was folding, but still adamantly telling everyone that things were good and screaming orders. And then one day I arrived to forfeit the lease because they weren't paying anymore and she was the only person left in the middle of her, um, middle of her unit. That was pretty sad, but we had another tenant who wanted to move in, so we decided to forfeit. And I just remember speaking to her and saying like, you know, you've not failed, but my my landlord's gonna, or my client's gonna let you off the hook here because we've got another tenant coming in, but you can't keep running up arrears. Um, tearfully, she agreed. I've had squatters taking over a building, but happily leaving if I tell them details of another empty building. I mean, the squatters were nice enough. They weren't dangerous in any way, shape or form. Um, but they just wanted to know what other building they could go and squat in, if not mine. Um, a tenant who cemented all of the pipes in the building when moving out and then dissolved their companies so no competitors could take the space. That was a hefty bill for the landlord to redo the pipework. And it was a gym occupier who put the cement in the pipeworks and it ended up being another gym occupier that moved in. Um, I don't think I'll ever see it all. And that's just some of the stories. And that's just commercial. Um, when you have commercial and residential mix, it gets a little bit wilder. And I'll save those stories for another day. What a, what the key point of this, um, this podcast was, you need to have people on side who are going to tell you how to deal with it and not panic. Because my job has always been to make sure that my clients get paid or earn as much money from a property as possible i don't have a crystal ball i can't tell you when something crazy is going to happen i can't tell you when a residential tenant is going to flood a property i can't tell you um when a tenant over a weekend is going to decide to fill the basement with sand and redirect the sewer you know, I can't tell you that that's going to happen. My job is purely to make sure that it gets rectified and your tenants start playing ball again. That's it. And if I can give you a note to you, common sense always prevails. There are things that we can do, certainly, you know, dilapidations, forfeiting leases, um, making sure that tenants do things within the terms of their lease, we can serve for section 146 agreements, but, or 146 notices, sorry. But one of the big things I want you to take away from this podcast is that you always should talk to the tenants first and find out why they've done what they've done or why the thing has happened. Because most of the time and in all of these situations, it wasn't my client's fault, it wasn't my fault. You know, it was just tenants are looking after their businesses and they want to do X, Y, and Z, and sometimes it just doesn't work for the property. And our job, your job as a landlord or my job as an asset manager, is to make sure we understand where the tenants are coming from, help them out, but also put that building back into repair so it maintains its value. And the whole thing is, don't lose your cool, don't panic, there's always a solution, you just have to think about it, put yourself in the tenant's shoes, and start from there. So there we have it. That's horror stories in property, in commercial property. I have lots more, but I'll come back to them, I'll start using them as anecdotes. I hope that's been really useful for you. Uh, If you've liked this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review and subscribe so that you get these podcasts straight into whatever platform you listen to on a Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.